0: Boom, <smart noise> boom. Sheila Zelinsky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zelinsky. Hi, everyone, and welcome today to the Sheila Zelinsky Show for this Thursday edition. As you know, I broadcast weekdays at six p.m. Eastern Time, right here on WINB, on WWCR, and of course, there's many ways to listen to the program, including the app. That's the Weekend Vigilante app. It is customized, very, very convenient way for you to pick up the program daily. And of course, you can always download the podcast. For those of you on the go, you can take the show along with you. I'm getting a lot of great feedback on that new Android app. All the ways to listen, just simply go to the listen page at weekendvigilante.com. And if you haven't already done so, do sign up. For my free e-newsletter. And for a limited time, I'll send you that free ebook I did called Colloquialisms, one of a kind Steve Quayle phrases. Only Steve Quayle can say, celebrating 25 years on air. That is an accomplishment right there. So get your copy of Colloquialisms, my free ebook for signing up to the newsletter. And I want to jump right into the program today. I have wanted to have this guest on for a long time. I am a great respecter of this man and his work, and it is my pleasure to have Reuben Israel on the program today. I call him the Chuck Norris of street preaching. He really is the progenitor of open-air evangelism, and it is such a pleasure to have him on the program today. Reuben Israel, welcome to the show, sir.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to... Uh Say some things, maybe clarify a few things, or even answer a couple of questions.
0: Well, where I kind of want to start off here is Ruben, you were recently featured in a BBC documentary called, interesting title they picked, America's Hate Preachers. That word hate is so fascinating, isn't it? Because if you preach against sin, you're automatically labeled as a hate monger, a bigot, you're politically incorrect, you're a terrorist. You're one of those xenophobic, Islamophobic, homophobic, deplorables, I think is the word. I've been boots on the ground at these things. I see the violence and the hatred. The most hateful Christian-hating people on this planet are the ones calling us hateful. That really is the quintessential irony, isn't it?
1: Yes, that's true. As a matter of fact, um, I had been working with this this crew from the UK, and believe it or not, I was told it was Mm -hmm. going to be free speech. It had nothing to do with hateful preachers. It had everything to do with free speech in America versus free speech in the UK. And I made it very clear. I don't want to have our rights in America like the UK. They have no idea what free speech is. And so that was pretty much the theme. And she followed us around for days. What she shown was very little compared to what she could have shown, which probably would have made us look very good. Because free speech, if you use it the way we're supposed to, it's not going to be that you can only say it if everybody agrees with you. Technically, free speech means you're going to disagree with somebody. There's a lot of things I don't like about free speech. For example, I don't like it when a particular church protests the funeral of our fallen soldiers. I think that's appalling. I don't like it when somebody burns the American flag. I find that appalling. Nevertheless, it's considered free speech, and it's offensive. And so uh, that's what I thought the theme was, and that's what she promoted it as. And she hasn't responded to, uh, to my emails, so I don't know whether what what she's just going to not uh, do much. But we work with them. And, you know, I've been on so many documentaries that it's, I don't even keep track them. I forgot <laughs> about this one until somebody did point it out that it's out.
0: Well, I find that pretty shoddy journalism when they say it's about one thing, and then they completely spin it into something else, which I find really underhanded. And I think that's despicable. But I thought it was really interesting how one of the women that they were interviewing in this documentary, she was at one of your rallies. She was screaming, just freaking out. The woman was actually demonically manifesting, screaming, swearing, spitting, cursing. I mean, it was just appalling behavior. And she was saying to the reporter, these guys just cause so much hate when they come here. And I thought, wow, these guys are causing hate. The people at these events are just vile. I mean, you've seen it all. And times have changed in street preaching. I don't think the average Christian has any idea of what street preachers encounter, do they?
1: No, they don't. As a matter of fact, I've been doing it since 1980. What makes that era very interesting is, keep in mind, that's when mankind was introduced with the aids virus right here i am 18 years old and we were going and preaching at these gay parades and let me tell you they were a lot more physical than they are today the homosexuals would spit on our faces and try to time it to go into our mouths because they knew they had the aids virus and at that time we didn't know how you contracted aids was it airborne was it by saliva Was it by sweat? Was it with blood? Well, they were doing all kinds of stuff. They had syringes with blood that they'd wave in front of us that they were going to stick us. They would go to a meat market, put blood on themselves, and try to rush us. Wow. No police officer in his right mind would risk his career for our free speech. When I say uh, preaching at these homosexuals during the 1980s was fierce, uh, we didn't have much time to videotape, so there's nothing really there. But uh, it was quite uh, interesting during that time. Nowadays, you see a lot of police around us. That's because we've earned that. We've, uh, you know, and the police that are around us are not facing us. They put us in a barricade for our own protection. These same people that are saying we're not tolerant have ripped our signs, have spit, have hit guys with two by fours have kicked, attacked. I've had more uh, water and and drinks tossed on me from the gay community. I can't even count the gallons after 36 years. And, uh, you know, I've never punched one. I've never threw them around. But I'm the one that's considered hateful. Uh, It's amazing how, how they can call us hate, and yet they are giving each other a venereal disease worthy of death. Uh, That, to me, uh, should be uh, a good definition of the word hate, but let me tell you, I would say a good 85 to 95 percent of those men that we preached to in the 80s are now dead, and so I don't regret being a very hard person to give them a message. Uh, We did so uh, moved by the Holy Ghost, and for a good reason. Like I said, they're pretty much diseased because of a disease, not because you know, of uh, old age, uh, most of those guys are dead. Any homosexual parade you go to, they're usually younger kids from high school to adults. Rarely do you see old people because, you know, the lifestyle span of a homosexual isn't very old.
0: In the documentary, it was funny. I think it was Aiden, but I'm not sure. One of these straight preachers was actually putting on a bulletproof vest. When you go out every day, is that something that enters in your mind, Ruben, is, you know what? I could get shot by some weirdo today. Does that kind of cross your mind sometimes?
1: Uh, Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, when I was a young man, I bought life insurance. So if something happens to me, my wife is not going to be a welfare case uh, as I dance in the streets of gold. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, I disciple most guys to do that because, uh, you know, we do understand that. That's, you know, it's interesting. We got a Bible verse where uh, men can lay down their lives for each other. You will have no greater love when you lay down your life for your brother. Christianity in America has no concept of what that is. If you look at firemen, policemen, if you go to Washington, D.C. and look at some of the war memorials, Vietnam memorials, you'll see these men standing crying because they've laid their life down literally. Well, in street preaching, we have done that very literally. We placed our body to cover another man so he doesn't get injured. And so there is a bond there. And, uh, you know, Christianity will never understand that. Understand that the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, when they tried to kill him, the Bible says he didn't walk out and bind everybody in Jesus' name. The Bible says in the book of Acts, they let him down at night in a basket over a wall. So this is what men of God went through, and so today in Christianity, they don't know what it's like to be persecuted, to sit in a jail cell for your faith. Uh, The most uh, your Christian in America today will understand about persecution is somebody on Facebook unfriended them or said something negative about them. Then all of a sudden they feel that they're the same capacity as a Job, Uh, but these men God has able to use us with, you know, uh, we do take precaution. It doesn't mean that we go out there to purposely want to get hit. We take as much precaution as possible. And uh, I believe when Aiden was putting that on, that was at the um, Republican convention and the Democrat convention where police will, you know, shoot tear gas into a crowd to disperse it. There'll be some, there'll be some wax bullets being shot. And so it was only for his own safety that he did that. But, uh, uh, you know, some of these homosexual parades in the early 80s, they were extremely violent. Every once in a while, you might hit something, but uh, they were extremely violent. So had this person really contacted uh, the homosexuals and seen what they were made of, she'd be astonished. There was a group called Act Up. You don't really hear about them anymore. And Queer Nation, you don't hear about them anymore. They used to rush in churches, ejaculate in churches. Knock over Bibles and things like that in churches. They would really uh, bite you, knowing that they had the AIDS virus. Wow! And so uh, you know that you can do a whole documentary on on ACT UP. As a matter of fact, there was a documentary on on AIDS in Los Angeles that I was a part of, and uh, they showed our preaching. Uh, but ACT UP has pretty much died off. But they were extremely violent homosexuals, and uh, you know she's she, the, the real haters like you said, are not us, but them. And they don't hate us. Technically, they hate God. We're just happen to be the spokesperson. And so they're going to take it out on us.
0: Yeah, well, that always happens when light meets darkness, doesn't it? You know, you mentioned the apostle Paul, he caused a lot of riots. You certainly do, of course, but Jesus caused riots. It's, you know, Jesus was one of the biggest offenders in the Bible. He's called the rock of offense. But Something interesting that you said, I don't know if you said this on Facebook, there's something you put out and it said, Father, do not forgive them. They do know what they're doing. 2,000 years ago, people didn't have the gospel. They didn't know they were sinners. It's like the lady in the documentary, those radicals are hurting the churches who affirm and embrace homosexuality. And I thought, you are right, lady. The church today does embrace homosexuality. That's why these guys are such a contrast from today's church.
1: Yes. And again, we don't just pick on homosexuals. If Los Angeles hosted a fornication parade, we'd be there. If uh, Toledo, Ohio were to host a, a adultery pride parade, we'd be there. Right. If New York hosted a masturbation pride parade, we'd be there. They're the only sexual group that hosts a pride parade. And so uh, we will definitely be there. And that verse, uh, Father, forgive them, I believe that was in context to Jesus on the cross, and uh, that's what he was referring that to. But as you said, this is the year 2016. We've got churches on every corner. We have Christianity 24-7 on radio, TV, Internet. Uh, You have people passing out tracks, knocking on your door. And then, you know, you have a big burly street preacher in your face with a large sign and a megaphone. From God's perspective, these people didn't just wake up and, and not know this. We grew up with Christianity. We're fat with Christianity. And the Bible makes it very clear, too much is given, much is required. We in America are going to be much more required on Judgment Day than Christians in Afghanistan, than people in Iraq. Than people in uh, you know a lot of these countries where the gospel isn't promoted as much as as it is here.
0: Absolutely agree. Well, you know, Stephen Anderson was in that documentary, and I've had Pastor Anderson on my show, and he's done some great work. I agree with some of his stuff, and I don't agree with some of his views. But here's the thing: I do agree with people are going to a devil's hell, and yet. There's all this passive, of, you know, God is love, God understands, let's just all hold hands and love, love, love and kumbaya. My problem with it is all this greasy grace is going to slip these guys right into a devil's hell.
1: Well, I think that's an American gospel. It's right up there with prosperity and having a Cadillac inside your driveway. Uh, you know, you can't really have that and teach that to Christians in China who are going to church at four o'clock in the morning in a cave just yeah. to read a page of the Bible. Right. Uh, that's a different Christianity. It's That's true Christianity. Christianity in America is whoever has the biggest smile has the most Holy Ghost. Uh, that's not true. That's, that's just a lopsided version of the Bible. They almost make God out to be schizophrenic in the sense of bipolar. You know, he's a God of the Old Testament, but then we have the God of the New Testament. I mean, anybody that reads the Bible, God's consistent. We have Peter, uh, you know, who preached a hard message of repentance in the Book of Acts. Paul, who blinded somebody because they didn't listen. You have the two witnesses in the New Testament uh, that are going to fire call fire down from heaven. The Bible says those two men tormented the world. So if people had issues with us, how much more these two witnesses who tormented the world? And when they were finally put to death. The entire planet had a big party, uh, you know, and so we, we've muddied down the gospel. We made it very, very much uh, Americanized. Uh, the Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I'm, I'm accused, Ruben, you're lopsided when you preach the gospel. I'll be the first to admit that. And the only reason why, sister, I'm lopsided is because I am trying to even out the teeter-totter because everybody else is on the other side, and all they preach is love, grace, and mercy, when as reality, Jesus Christ spoke more on hell, outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, a place where the, where the worm dies not, eternal fire. He mentioned more on hell than love, grace, mercy combined. Not one time do we have Jesus Christ walking in the gospel saying, I love you, Not one time do we find in the entire book of Acts where the apostles preached, Jesus loves you. Yet it's so common today. So uh, I'd rather just stick to the Bible. And uh, in the process of me offending people, uh, well, then so be it. As long as I don't offend God, because that's really where I uh, want to be. I don't want to offend God.
0: Yet Jesus came, unlike some people think they think he came to bring peace, but the Word tells us Jesus came to bring a sword. So we're going to expect right. this, aren't we?
1: That's right. As a matter of fact, everybody omits verses in the Bible where he woed cities. That's a curse. He cursed cities. Those cities don't even exist anymore. Yeah. The Bible says he upbraided those cities that repented not. Upbraided is the strongest form of rebuke we can find in the English language. Uh, Jesus Christ made a whip Now, it's interesting. The Gospel of John mentions that Jesus went into the temple in the beginning. Other Gospels say that he did it at the end of his career. So either there's a discrepancy, or it's easy to conclude, like I do, that he did it annually. When I was a young man and I read the Bible, that's what provoked me to go out and do events annually. And so uh, it could be quite possible that Jesus went into that temple Every time he went into Jerusalem and he just overturned tables, do we know the Jesus Christ of that? Can we recognize him? This isn't something that's just new. Understand, in the book of Revelation, we find seven churches in Asia. They're considered ages today. I don't know why, but they were actual churches in Asia. Five out of those seven churches, Jesus Christ said, repent. He threatened all of them that he was going to remove his candlestick, his light from them. One of the churches is a verse that most people will use to get the unsaved saved. He, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him. Well, that's Jesus outside of a church. So this is not anything new. This, this has been going on for quite some time. And uh, this Christianity, where it's all love and peace and happiness, it's, it's a fantasy. It's a Hollywood movie. Let's face it. John the Baptist, who ushered in Jesus, was put in prison because he called the king out for his sin. Jesus, our Messiah, uh, he was put in the cross in between two thieves. The man who betrayed him committed suicide. All the other ten disciples were put to death, minus John, who was put in oil and sent to the island of Patmos. That doesn't look like prosperity and love and joy to me. That's the Bible. That's real Christianity, untainted.
0: You are right. All but one apostle had horrible deaths. The model that we have in the New Testament church is far from what we see today. Now, one of the things I notice you do is you do go to a lot of these Muslim events, those Ramadan roundups or whatever. Those things get pretty crazy. But let's step back here, I guess, Ruben, for a minute, because when a person signs on to Islam, you swear to wage jihad on infidels. Well, guess what? We're infidels. Anybody that's not Islam is infidel. So I'm sorry, folks, but when it comes down to it, they will Allah Akbar your head off when it comes down to crunch time. Islam is a religion of peace, all right. Yeah, a piece of a dead body here, a piece there. And I get really hammered for that, Reuben, but I'm serious. People don't really get this very antichrist, deadly religion, do they? We need to embrace them. And the Bible actually tells us to expose evil and to have no fellowship with darkness, doesn't it?
1: That's right. And let's just, sister, put the Bible aside. Let's just not even bring God, Jesus Christ into it. Let's go down to our local airport And let's look at all the security that we've had. Is it because of Buddhists? Is it because of homosexuals? Is it because of left-handed albinos? No, it's all because of that religion. And nobody wants to say anything. I've been going to Super Bowls for decades. At the Super Bowls, there'd be, uh, you know, tailgate parties all over the place. Now, no cars are allowed to park around the Super Bowl because... You can have bombs inside there and bruise America. I've been going to the Academy Awards since the 1980s. And uh, uh, now the amount of security there, uh, you can't even get close to the red carpet, all because of 9-11. It's all rotated around that religion, but nobody wants to say anything. Nobody wants to, you know, you go to a college campus and preach against Islam, and it's amazing because you'll have the homosexual holding hands with a muslim and they say that we're the haters my question to them was in fact i proposed this when we were in atlanta when was the last homosexual parade in afghanistan when was the last parade in saudi arabia when was the last parade in iraq when was the last parade in any of those countries if you were just accused of being a homosexual they throw you out of a building or burn you alive. And so uh, all we're doing is preaching, and that's considered hateful. But uh, I don't trust them. Uh, I don't think it's just uh, a one or two. I personally don't trust them all. The husband and wife shooter in San Bernardino, everyone thought they were normal. Yeah. Uh, the Boston bomber, he was a college student. He rooted for the team, did his homework, and then Allah whispered into his ear. Uh, the Fort Horse Hood shooter. Uh, He was a regular soldier. So all of these guys were pretty much normal and blended in, as their book teaches, until the time they're supposed to. They are a religion of death.
0: Yeah, let's not forget Omar Mateen. He worked for a British-based security firm for over 10 years. He had an active concealed carry permit. He was an armed security guard. He had no criminal record. And then out of the blue, hmm, just kills 49 people and wounds 53 in a mass shooting in Florida. He sure did. I
1: mean, just a regular guy.
0: Yeah, regular guy. Until that was the deadliest act of violence against LGBT people in U.S. history. But nothing to see here, folks. We certainly wouldn't want to call them radical Islam, whatever we do. And then, of course, you get all these politically correct pastors and church folk, Ruben, that say, you've heard this. You're doing more harm than good. How do you respond
1: to that? Uh, We get told that quite often. Boy, if I had a nickel for every time that was said, I would be a very rich man. (laughs) Uh, You know, they'd always say something, you know, you can catch more bees with uh, honey. Well, you know, I'm not catching bees. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Bible says, and he makes it very clear, that uh, narrow is the way, straight is the way. And so uh, those that are going to God's heaven will be few and so to think that when you preach that everybody's going to get saved that's not realistic uh like i said we live in a society where everyone is heard or has a form of christianity but their christianity is um is is not the jesus christ of the bible not the god of the bible the bible is going to be offensive because in order for you to accept what the bible says you have to admit you have issues and problems nobody wants to go to a doctor unless the doctor shows you the x-rays and the blood test and all the problems you have, then you'll appreciate that pill and you'll take that pill. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to expose the problem. Now, the body of Christ is large and there's many moving parts. I'm just one of the many. You might have one person that reaps our harvest doesn't mean his way was better. He got to that harvest because of people planting that seed, watering that seed, fertilizing that seed. He just happens to be the one that puts it in the basket. For it, Now, if he starts saying that his way is better, then he's in error. we got a verse in the Gospel of John where Jesus Christ told his disciples, you have entered into another man's labor where you bestowed no labor. So every time somebody witnesses to a sinner, the, the Holy Ghost is trying to work there. And until one day, hopefully, when somebody over a hot cup of coffee and, and an apple pie, a light bulb goes on, and the guy repents and cries out to God, doesn't mean it was a coffee and a pie. It was all the time God's trying to talk to him, be it a guy leaving the track, somebody listening to your radio program, somebody uh, who's uh, uh, stuck in traffic and looking at a bumper sticker, or a guy uh, knocking on your door, somebody praying for you or somebody with a huge sign and a megaphone in your face on the streets. We're all working for the same God, and we're all trying to promote the same gospel, but if God uses you to reap that harvest, it's not because you're anybody special. It's all the times that God has been working on that individual. That's the way a real mature Christian should look at it. Not my way is better, not see what I've done, how many people have you led. Uh, Usually when somebody asks me, how many people have you led to the Lord? I tell them, everyone. Everyone that walks by us is led to the Lord, be it the sign, be it a track, be it open-air preaching. Uh, The real question is, what are they doing now with that information? But everyone is led to the Lord.
0: Well, and I think the problem is there's no fear of the Lord. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil I hate. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of men. So I think we have to be very careful. Won't we remind people of the severity of God as well, Reuben?
1: Yes, we do. And that's the full character of God. Most people don't understand the full character of God. As a matter of fact, most of your atheists that we argue with and try to debate with, They will tell you, you know, at least I admit what you guys are saying is almost believable. It doesn't make any sense what I'm hearing from most Christianity who tell me, God loves me so much. Jesus loves me so much. But when he meets me, he's going to put me in hell. At least you guys are consistent in saying, hey, right now he's pretty angry at you. And the Bible says he is angry with the wicked every day. And uh, even an atheist can put it together and say, it doesn't make any sense. Why would he love me now, as you're saying, and then when I meet him, he's going to put me in the hellfire. It just doesn't, it doesn't connect. But uh, if God is willing to put somebody in hellfire now, he's pretty upset. He's trying. He's given every possibility to get that sinner saved. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, they choose their own lifestyle. They have no fear, as you say. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. It's not the ultimate. It's not even wisdom itself. It's just the beginning. You need to fear God. Fearing God and loving God should not be bipolar. They actually work the same. It is the fear of God that I don't get involved in sin, and it's the love of God that makes me go out and do things for God. It's a perfect combination. It's not either or. They both work together. But sin,
0: as we know, has been replaced with all these abhorrent euphemisms. It's not sodomy now. It's, of course, you know, alternative lifestyle. And abortion, the shedding of innocent blood, it's pro-choice. So, you know, you have all these abhorrent euphemisms that really watered down sin to begin with. But you want to see where there's a lot of hate speech. Go look in your Bible. They say words like Poor bastard sodomy, that's pretty rough speech, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yes it is. As a matter of fact, you have a prophet in the Bible, Malachi, who made a statement God's gonna wipe dung on your face. Yeah. You have Ezekiel talking about penis size and semen. <laughs> this is a man of God. And the only reason I like to use the book of Ezekiel is because a lot of your Bible scholars will say go to Reuben. That's Ezekiel, that's the Old Testament, blah, 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 Well, you know, there are actual chapters in Ezekiel that haven't been fulfilled, so you can't really close the books on Ezekiel. But if you read some of these guys, Isaiah, who walked around barefoot and nude, imagine what Facebook and YouTube would be uh, slandering his name about. Uh, you know, it's amazing, these men of God and what they preached. Uh, You don't find that in the Bible today. What you find is the generic, Jesus loves you. Again, we don't find that anywhere in the book of Acts. That should speak volumes against people like Joel Osteen. That should speak volumes against a lot of your TV evangelists who only want your money. The main theme when men of God preached was repentance. That's the theme, and that's what we try to emulate. Uh, Repent and believe is the order of appearance. Today's Christianity has it uh, believe and repent. We've just reversed it. Uh, No, we need to repent and believe. That's the order of appearance. Show God fruit, meat for repentance. Don't just say a little prayer, and then that's it, you're done. We see the fruit of this type of Christianity every day on the streets of America, where a guy will have condoms in his hand, he'll have uh, a girl that he's holding, They're both drunk. They're telling us they're saved because they said a sinner's prayer or they give money to a church. Uh, They're told that they'll never lose their salvation, and worst scenario, they'll just lose some rewards. This is what the church has told them. And so we see this stuff all the time, which is why most open-air preachers really preach heavy against sin because we see the result of it. And, uh, you know, it it does put us in a a mode where, we're trying to expose the problem of heresy, of lie, and uh, how they don't know the God of the Bible.
0: Well, when you look back on some of the great men of God, the greats like you take your George Whitfield, you take the Wesleys. I think those guys would be thrown out of a Methodist church. I think Jesus Christ would get thrown out of any Christian church in America today. Ruben, I really do.
1: I'll tell you what, this is going to be interesting. We went to the last time we were at the UK. We went to Wesley's church. And as we went in there, uh, you know, of course, it's, he's got all the stuff there. He's buried uh, on the outside. And, uh, and they asked if we wanted a tour. They knew we were street preachers from America. And so they thought they were going to send the best tour person to, to show us it was a lesbian. Oh, It was a lesbian that actually gave us the tour. Uh, you know, we went to uh, another place where these men of God actually preached. Uh, We went to his church, and we actually sat inside the office of the pastor today. When he heard that we were there, he took us in for about 20 minutes. We have it all on video. And, uh, you know, he was encouraging us and talking to us, and he knew the history of open-air preaching. And so I asked him at the end, if there's anything you can say to American street preachers, what would that be? Well, he said, be tolerant, be accepting, love homosexual. I mean, it was almost like uh, what you would hear in the street. Wow! And so uh, it's amazing how these churches, these religions, started off with good foundation, but just uh, they're, they're nowhere near what their founders would be, just like Jesus was in Revelation. It would be almost like having the Wright brothers walk into a stealth bomber. Right. They would have no idea how to even start that plane. Yet they were the ones who were used to get it going off the air, and so uh, it is amazing. I, you know, and, and again, uh, as I read some of those men and what they've done, God used them in that window, and so uh, we've got a different window today. Something that they may not ever experience. They don't have Islam like we do. They don't have women demanding to kill and murder their babies. Uh, They don't have homosexual marches, nude parades, topless things going on. Uh, They don't have all of this stuff like we have today. We've got a lot more sin publicly than they do. And so, um, you know, oftentimes we're told, well, look at what they've done versus what you guys have done. Well, our our theater is a little bit different than theirs. People still had a little bit more respect for God. God was taught in school, Bible was read in school, prayer was done in school, but we've got a different theater today. And I've said this a hundred times. The Adam living in America today is a complete Adam than the Adam in the garden. Adam in the garden, when he sinned, he ran from God. He hid from his nakedness. He was ashamed of what he did. Compare that to our Adam. In America, 2016, who is flaunting in his sin in the street. He's proud of his nakedness. As a matter of fact, he's telling God, you made me this way, or you you didn't make me this way. Uh, you made a mistake with me. We've got a different Adam than the Adam even in the garden.
0: Boy, that is very profound. Well, there was some good news. Talk about the Dearborn, Michigan ruling on free speech sort of a culmination of what transpired there and what happened in Supreme Court, because that was you guys, correct?
1: That was my group, and that was us that was used. And what provoked us was there were some guys at that event that were just passing out literature. That's all they were doing. And they were manhandled, and they were arrested. And uh, when those articles came across my desk, we decided to send a handful of guys. I handpicked 12 guys. And we flew into Dearborn and confronted that city. And, uh, boy, it, uh, we, we've only been there twice. It was our group that uh, caused the commotion. They stoned us for an hour and a half. Wow. An hour and a half. Uh, they threw anything that was loose in the streets. And it was primarily the kids as the adults were egging them on. The police walked over and then threatened to arrest us. We were the problems, not the angry Muslims. And so after that came out, I was engulfed with a lot of attorneys that wanted to fight. I took one, and uh, we did win it. As a matter of fact, the case did go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Not everybody can make that claim. Ours did, Uh, and the Supreme Court said that they would agree with the Sixth Circuit, and the Sixth Circuit was right, ruling on our behalf. And so uh, we won the case in Dearborn. That city has not hosted another Muslim event since. And so we rejoice over that. A lot of Christians said, well, now we can't witness to the Muslims anymore. And of course, we took a little bit of heat on that. That's almost like saying, uh, you know, we went to an abortion clinic and it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Now it's your fault because now we don't know what to do on Saturday. They (laughs) shut the abortion clinic down. Or that's almost like trying to shut a homosexual parade in San Francisco down. That's what we did in Dearborn. And so uh, I rejoice that it's there. Our attorney uh, that won the case for us actually said those critics, that people don't like what you do and how your method of preaching, if they ever get arrested for preaching, they'll have to use your case to get them off. And so uh, it is next in stone that um, our free speech, uh, we still can preach. And uh, we thank God that we still have backbone for that. But Yes, we were there. That was that was our group and uh, we haven't been back to Dearborn only because uh, it was all finalized um uh, this year.
0: Yeah, that is a really big victory in terms of free speech because we know free speech is being so eroded, our rights as Christians are being so eviscerated. We see it in the military, they're not allowed to have a Bible. You can't talk about Jesus. And of course all the troops though, you know, they'll have to accept the transgenders and go through all this training of how to embrace them. The Military Times actually even reported that transgender troops are eligible, get this, Ruben, to have reassignment, they call it, surgery by the Pentagon. Of course, that's taxpayer money going to good use. I I just think it's so amazing how the paradigm has really shifted in a once-Christian nation.
1: Yes, that's right. As a matter of fact, I was on a radio program and... (laughs) The person that was running the program wanted to slip me up, and he said, what is my take on allowing gays in the military? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I can, I can do a lot of things when I'm asked a question. I have so many different options. So I thought I'd go a different route with him. I said at first my knee-jerk reaction was that's horrible. Then I said, no, you know what? Homosexuals are born murderers. They love to murder each other. They love to stand against abortion. Hitler. Hitler had a a history of having uh, homosexual Nazis who killed Jews real bad. And then I went on to say, uh, I guess, you know, there is homosexuals who really don't care for law of land. Like in California, we voted twice against uh, no marriage uh, between male and male. And they went ahead and overturned it. So they don't care about democracy. Uh, And then I went on to say, there's probably nothing worse than an angry lesbian on her period. That's a killing (laughs) machine. So maybe I've been wrong. Maybe if we want to go out and kill our enemies, maybe we should use the homosexuals because they're filled with murder and hate. Well, he instantly changed the question to something else and moved on. But uh, we should be appalled. George Washington, realistically, did not even allow cussing in his military. That's how we won wars. And so when you start opening up to the gays, uh, you know, you're starting to, uh, you know, to take some heat from God. And that's going to be what's going to (laughs) happen.
0: That radio host didn't know what he got himself into. Well, and speaking of homosexuality, you guys were out at just this last weekend, the annual Trans March and the Atlanta Pride Parade was in full swing. How was that event, Ruben?
1: Well, we were heading towards Orlando. We were going to do the homosexual parade in Orlando on Saturday, but of course Matthew came in, and uh, our our attorney was notified by the city. Don't have them show up. Uh, we're shutting down the entire event till uh, next next month. We'll postpone it. So you know that means we were we were free on Saturday to do something else. And so hey, what do we do? As street preachers, well, we don't, you know, sit around and and sing hymns, Uh, they had the uh, transsexual march, which people don't realize. Okay, the homosexuals have their parades, they have their things, but now they're starting to implode. Now you're having tranny-only marches, dyke-only marches, black-only marches, Latin-only marches. Now they're starting to even dice themselves up. They're never content people. They always want something more. And Saturday was the uh, transvestite, trans testicle, anything with trans. uh, They were going to be marching down the Bible Belt of Atlanta. And we stood out there. We preached at them when they marched in the street. We followed them into the park. And we stood up by the main entrance in the park and preached there for a couple of hours. Of course, they were angry and upset. And the police and their security pretty much worked as a buffer zone just to stop them from coming at us. But uh, they are wicked. They believe God made a mistake. Uh, they are not who they are. They they had to change something. And what it was was nothing more, in my opinion, than an identity crisis parade.
0: Well, we've got a fix for that, finding your identity in Christ Jesus. Ruben, in the waning moments, what would be your message to Christians listening today?
1: My message is to know who you are in the body of Christ, okay? My thumb doesn't want to be my ear. My toe doesn't want to be my nose. I am thankful my body knows exactly what it's supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to be in the body of Christ. And it's amazing, people that are 30, 40 years old in the Lord have gone from ministry to ministry, church to church. They have no concept of what they are. You need to know who you are in the body of Christ. If you wish to join us, if you're tired of sitting in church and watching this stuff happening, we can utilize you. Uh, Our website is Official Street Preachers. Just tap that into any church engine and you'll get us. And you'll get information on what we can do and how we can utilize you. But you should know what your function is in the body of Christ. And understand, we have sin and false religion so bold in the theater that we live in, we need to counter that with the same boldness. Remember, it took one man, John the Baptist, to usher in Jesus Christ. If he's going to return, we're going to need a few more John the Baptists to usher in our Lord coming back again, and we need to stand up against religion and against the King, as John the Baptist did.
0: Very well said. Well, Ruben, I really appreciate your time in coming on the program today. I have such a great deal of respect for you personally, what you guys do out there really hats off to all the tremendous amount of work that you guys do in the streets of America and beyond. It's been a real privilege to talk to you today. And of course, we do have the website link there on today's bio. Ruben, thank you so much. And I hope you do come back and talk to us again.
1: Feel free to give me a buzz on any topic, and I I appreciate that. And God bless your viewers, and God bless you, sister.
0: Thanks, Ruben. Folks, that was Ruben Israel. His website again, officialstreetpreachers.com. That information is linked on today's bio. Reach out to Ruben. Let him know you heard him on the show today. Boy, those guys do tremendous work in the most vile circumstances. Boy, you want to see debauchery. Why don't you get out to one of those pride parades? I'll tell you what, that's a real eye-opener and a half. Tomorrow on the program, I have joining me the author of Technocracy Rising, Patrick Wood, and I are going to get into a pretty interesting conversation. Don't miss that. Hey, don't forget to like me on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and sign up for my free e-newsletter. And let me know how you guys are enjoying the Android app and the app for smart devices. If you don't have it, go to the app store and get the Weekend Vigilante app. And lastly, I want to hear your favorite prayer from our book, Power Prayers. And I want to know what you think about the new website. Go to powerprayers.ca. These testimonies are very powerful, and I'm so glad to be a part of this incredible project, powerprayers.ca. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Good night, and God bless.